On this week's Dose, we welcome on Ben Topo, founder and managing partner of Titan Capital Partners, an Israeli firm that invests in world-class growth stage tech companies. Yeah, Ben spent an early part of his adulthood serving in the Israeli Intelligence Directorate and later worked his way up in investment banking. Right. And then fast forward to 2021, and Ben founded Titan Capital Partners. And in this interview, you'll hear about how his experience has enabled him to find and invest in unique market opportunities in these first couple of years since launching the fund. Mm -hmm. Stick with us to hear him break down the Israeli startup ecosystem, as well as what differentiates Israeli founders in his mind. Really interesting input there and some of the challenges facing Israeli founders today. Right. Truly loved hearing his unique perspective, being that he comes from an Israel-based investment firm at Titan. Uh, and lastly, we'll wrap up the conversation with a discussion on his philosophy on what makes a good investment opportunity and his unique advice to the pilgrims looking to get into venture. Yeah, it was amazing to connect with such an awesome guest from across the world. Uh, just just one of the many joys of starting this podcast. Exactly. And it, it was a pleasure to have Ben on. We're excited as ever to share this dose with you all. And with that, here it is. The views, statements, and opinions expressed herein by the hosts and their guests are their own, and their appearance on the podcast should not be construed as reflecting the views or implied endorsement of Independent Brokerage Solutions, LLC, or any of its officers, employees, or agents. The statements made herein should not be considered an investment opinion, advice, or recommendation regarding securities of any company. This podcast is produced solely for informational purposes and is not to be construed as an offer to sell or the solicitation of an offer to buy a security. This is Venture Pill, your weekly dose of startups and venture capital. We break down recent startups in the news and interview founders and investors to help you stay informed in the evolving world of venture. All right. On this week's Dose, we are honored to welcome Ben Topor, founder and managing partner of Titan Capital Partners. Ben, how's it going? I'm uh, all, uh, all well. Thank you for having me in the podcast. It's a pleasure. Oh, of course. Of course. And we're, we're, it's a pleasure to have you here. Uh, to get things going here, we'd love to hear just a little bit more about yourself, tell our listeners where you're from, and what the journey was like from your role in the military all the way to founding and being a managing partner at Titan Capital Partners. Uh, <clears throat> well, Brendan, um, thank you for the, the question. I'm, I think uh, I've started my career like uh, my peers in Israel. It's, uh, we have to go for military service. Uh, in my case, uh, I was an officer in the intelligence directorate in the army. And so I did it for five years. Uh, I actually later on uh, was recruited for uh, the Department of Defense. So I've continued for a good seven years in my life, uh, were devoted mm -hmm. to uh, intelligence analysis. Um, and when I finished my duties, I actually founded a nonprofit in Israel, uh, which is doing affordable housing. Um, there's actually a funny anecdote that uh, there's an existing city in Israel, in the south of Israel, called Fakim, and there's a neighborhood there called uh, the Noach neighborhood, the Noach forest neighborhood. 
and it's called actually after the nonprofit uh, I founded, which is called oh, wow. Initiative. Um, so uh, sometimes when I go there, everybody knows me and like uh, I feel like a micro celebrity in town. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, back then my um, my intention was to uh, initiate uh, a social program uh, for the benefit of young adults in Israel uh, to achieve housing in a cost efficient manner. Uh, and at the same time to help uh, uh, peripheral areas. Um, when I finished the university, I studied in Tel Aviv University uh, economics and East Asia studies. Uh, after graduation, I've uh, started to work in investment banking, one of Israel's largest investment banking firms. And I, and I climbed the corporate uh, ladder, if you will, from being a, a junior analyst onto uh, leading the technology, media and telecom team. Uh, where I think I I learned a lot and uh, where I gained a lot of uh, skill set in terms of uh, fundraising and M&A uh, in software and internet companies in Israel. Uh, and this is uh, also after a few years doing that, I've uh, begun investing, uh, obviously, my own money uh, and through other uh, structures uh, and I also later on joined one of Israel's long-standing uh, growth equity firms. Uh, I was there a managing partner um, and in the beginning of 2021 I've left and uh, um, in the end of 2021 I founded Titan, uh, which is a growth equity firm which is based on the experience of uh, the strategy and the uh, tactics I uh, developed throughout the years. Um, the, our main strategy is uh, growth equity, but we have uh, special expertise uh, in secondary investing. And I'm happy mm. to tell a bit about that. Uh, but maybe I will just uh, share in terms of, you know, where do you gain for growth equity and uh, secondary investing a lot of experience and where you, um, I would say as an advisor throughout the years, uh, developed a lot of relationships, not only with uh, the founders, but also with shareholder basis. So I represented them and I led them through trans throughout, uh, guiding them through, uh, through transactions. Um, so I think this is, a, in essence, that's a big contributor to, uh, to my abilities uh, that I've developed throughout the years. Yeah, so for, for our listeners, we call them the pilgrims. For the pilgrims out there, uh, just clarify a little bit more what Titan Capital Partners focuses on, specifically when you say growth stage and secondary markets. What do you mean by that? And tell us a little bit more about the specifics there. Well, we're investing um, in companies which are from early growth stage onto late stage, uh, primarily in software and internet. Um, I think uh, the roots of uh, this focus is really uh, derived from the type of talent you find in the Israeli ecosystem. Mm -hmm. um, Israeli high-tech industry um, is quite unique uh, in, in the interesting characteristics. Um, but, you know, generally speaking, I think in Israel we had like three waves. In the 90s, most of the ecosystem was focusing on telecommunications and we had several very big companies going in that um, and be, uh, leading uh, the world stage in telecommunications. And the, in, in the 2000s, um, the Israeli industry was 
developed a lot of uh, uh, world uh, leading companies in semiconductors. Um, if it's uh, uh, companies uh, that uh, later on, uh, one of the most uh, known is obviously Mobileye that was uh, sold for $15 billion to, to hmm. Intel. Um, and I think now we're in the third wave of 2010s onwards uh, that uh, the Israeli uh, high-tech industry is uh, and the talent pool is uh, focused uh, mainly on cloud and infrastructure level uh, software. Um, I think a lot of the uh, engineers uh, coming from the army uh, to the um, to their life as civilians, they actually take a lot of the capabilities the army taught them, and specifically in Israel, the intelligence. Uh, uh, and the vision in the army is, is one of the largest uh, cores of the army. Mm -hmm. um, so you have a lot of people coming into a civilian life trend in software and coding and telecommunications. And this is the type of uh, companies you see later on being formed. Um, so in that context, we, have, uh, we, we invest in companies that t tend to um, cr uh, cross uh, $10 million of sales. Um, and, um, and through the secondary space, we obviously, you know, we do full spectrum of secondary transactions, including buying from angels, fund managers, uh, employees, uh, founders shares. Uh, we also buy limited partner stakes in other VC funds. Um, so we have a flexibility of a secondary fund, but in the end of the day, we're, we have a growth mindset, so we're not building a portfolio of a hundred companies. Um, uh, we have a risk as a as a growth investor. However, I think we have an advantage in terms of our uh, our entry structure, so we can optimize it if we need to. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. I don't think we hear my, we don't hear much about different VC firms investing in secondary markets. That's kind of an interesting approach to a nice differentiator. Um, definitely, I'm curious to hear more about the Israeli venture capital scene. But before we get there, uh, let's stick on Titan for just a second longer here. Would love to hear about some of the more noteworthy or compelling portfolio companies, if you don't mind sharing. Sure. Um, well, we, we made our first of all, we started the fund not uh, long ago um, and we've actually entered to the market um, at the height of the market in 2021 um, yeah. so with intention we we actually didn't deploy much into the market because the pricing was very very high mm -hmm. especially in cybersecurity in Israel which became uh, <laughs> the bubble territory yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, the investments we made so far, maybe I'll, I'll, uh, I'll mention one of them. We bought uh, shares, we invested and also uh, bought shares in a company called Verbit, uh, Verbit AI. Uh, they are the world leaders in uh, providing AI services to the transcription market. They have mm -hmm. the largest market share in the US uh, media and entertainment market. Um, the company is uh, crossed $100 million of ARR. Wow. Um, they, they developed a very uh, advanced algorithms that can obviously recognize 
uh, human voice and translate it uh, into text. Uh, however, the challenge is that for many use cases, including uh, court reportings, for example, uh, or education purposes, when you need to have the lecture 100% transcribed, uh, and to reach 100% is really um, uh, is really possible only with a, a human in the loop to go mm -hmm. over the the AI. Uh, so Verbit has built. Uh, a marketplace with 25,000 um, transcribers oh, wow. um, that mm. can, can fill in the gaps where, where needed for the AI. And this is the, how they can provide uh, transcription services with 100% recognition in a scale that has uh, never been seen before. Um, and obviously the market for transcription is, is mainly today uh, the services are being provided by very small firms. Um, we call it the mom and pop shops. Yeah, um, so big organizations, um, they, that have transcription needs, they need to use five or six different vendors sometimes. So it's the first time a company like Verbit can serve the entire need of big organizations. Wow. Um, yeah, so that's, that's where our first investment, we were very excited about their technology about their growth momentum. It was, they reached $100 million of revenues in less than five years. Um, and, uh, and we were excited about the market opportunity uh, and how they can very smartly acquire uh, parts of the market, um, uh, traditional businesses and migrate them to their AI platform. Yeah, that's incredible. And you said this is an Israeli company with largely a customer base in the U.S. Yes, you know, generally speaking, um, all, uh, almost one hundred percent of the Israeli high tech industry is addressing the U.S. market. Yeah. So there's no. Uh, this is. A, I think uh, the entire world is addressing the U.S. market in the end of the day. Um, um, but uh, I think for, you know, I think that uh, generally speaking, if um, the U.S. is the largest target market. It's the easiest for uh, Israelis to penetrate because because of English, right? In in Europe, mm -hmm. you have many different languages, um, and also the you know the buyers of uh, software. Who are the buyers of software in the world, right? Those are financial institutions and technology companies. Uh, mm -hmm. Those are the main buyers of uh, software products. Um, so. Um, so we, there is an element when where a company has generated already you know, two or three million dollars of revenues, many of those Israeli tech firms actually migrate. The founders migrate and they, they move their HQ to uh, New York or Silicon Valley. Um, so you have hundreds, hundreds of hundreds of uh, Israeli entrepreneurs with companies in the US. We regard them as Israeli related. Overall, I'm happy, you know, maybe I think uh, I would say a few words about the industry. Um, yeah. it, the Israeli high-tech industry is, is very large. Um, there are, you know, um, you know the, maybe the numbers need to be amended with all the different uh, volatility in the public markets. But according to, you know, our analysis, there are 94 unicorns in Israel. Wow. Um, wow. 
So just uh, just to give you the sheer scale, it's it's more than entire uh, Europe combined. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so let's go. <laughs> uh, it's 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 a very big industry, um, and uh, you have hundreds of hundreds of companies. Uh, with significant market positions in in, in all the different uh, categories of uh, software and internet, yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> the the amount that has been deployed um, into uh, venture capital in the last year was uh, a, a bit shy than sixteen billion dollars, uh, which is uh, larger than many many other hubs. Uh, so it's one of the largest hubs in the world. Obviously, Silicon Valley is much bigger, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, uh, but the unique characteristics are uh, the fact that uh, unlike uh, many other markets, I think Israelis and that uh, another discussion one can have. Why is that? But um, Israeli companies tend to be more efficient than other companies. Uh, we don't spend. We so if you look statistically. Um, if you compare what is the exit amount and how much the companies has raised, um, so you see that the multiple, um, this is very basic multiple to do, but the multiple in Israel is uh, is uh, much higher than anywhere in the world. Um, so uh, so th- there is a case, and I think Israelis are tend to be uh, you know go getters, uh, straight shooters. Um, you know the the Hebrew language is it's very condensed. Like if you translate something uh, from Hebrew to English, so the English translation will be 150 percent more worse. <laughs> <laughs> so so the whole mentality is is very direct, and also I think that's the reason that a lot of those tech companies tend to focus on serving B two B clients because in the end of the day, if you're far away from the US, it's hard to sell to big markets like consumer markets. We're not experts mm-hmm. in marketing. Um, so it's easier for Israeli tech firms to uh, to sell to B2B because you have a tangible list. This is the list of customers you need to sell to them. So it's just, this is how the, I think the, the high tech industry evolved. And obviously, you know, just to, to mention a few you know, very notable companies like Czech, uh, Cybersecurity is obviously a very strong field in Israel. You have mm-hmm. uh, a Checkpoint Software, one of the largest firms in the world. You have uh, um, Palo Alto Networks, which is, it's, it's not an Israeli company, but the founder is Israeli, okay? It was uh, an employee in Checkpoint that left, uh, started a rival mm. firm. Um, you have uh, Sentinel One, um, you have Cyber Reason, um, so all, all all of those companies are, you know, cyber firms, and, and this is just a just a few. There are hundreds and hundreds of very sizable cybersecurity companies. Um, Monday.com is very notable. Uh, Ways, which was sold to Google, uh, um, uh, people know them. Um, I mentioned Mobileye, which is integrated to autonomous uh, driving vehicles everywhere in the world. Um, and uh, and many and many just, uh, you know, boring uh, infrastructure and cloud technology companies. You have uh, JFrog, uh, you have Fiverr, which is actually in the consumer side marketplace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, so just I'm naming a few that are publicly traded. Yeah. So many success stories coming out of Israel. Um, and it's great to hear kind of your perspective there explaining why you think they've been successful. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges? You mentioned, you know, a little bit about how it's hard to sell to the consumer market. What are some other challenges that Israeli startups are facing today? You know, generally speaking, I think the state of affairs is very good. Obviously, considering everything and the market has changed, um, I don't think I don't think there's specific challenges uh, that uh, Israeli founders are being confronted. I think maybe one of the challenges is uh, is derived from a, a good thing. As I mentioned, there are so many unicorns, but the market mm -hmm. has changed, and their valuation should you know, uh, theoretically drop. So mm -hmm. how do they do those down rounds? So the good thing turned to be a complex complexity, right? Yeah. Um, so I think there are a lot of very strong Israeli companies that are now trying to grow into their valuation, um, which is not easy, right? Because at the same time, you need to grow into your valuation, you need to reduce costs. Yeah. Um, so sales and marketing. Um, yeah, but but again, like I think the the overall trend of migration to the cloud or the overall uh, trend of the need for cybersecurity and the privacy, um, the trend of um, you know the, the rise of the developers, the developer tools, um, those are very strong uh, trends. Obviously, AI um, mm -hmm. that uh, eventually the fundamentals of the market are very strong. Um, you have a very uh, experienced talent pool. So founders in Israel, you see many of them are like third time uh, founders. Um, mm -hmm. You have a very strong VC ecosystem. You have uh, more than 200 VCs only in Tel Aviv. You know, one told me that the most condensed area on earth uh, in number of VCs uh, in a square uh, kilometer. Um, but uh, and you have another 200, which are foreign investors. Most of the investments are not from Israeli funds. Um, so mm -hmm. it's a, I, I would argue that uh, Tel Aviv is probably one of the easiest places to, to raise capital. Interesting. Um, so venture capital in the global economy is in a pretty interesting spot right now, right? As you've already mentioned, there's companies that have to kind of strive to meet their valuations, feel like some of the bubbles have popped. Uh, you already touched up on, you know, your opinion on how things, the state of the matter right now, but uh, we're curious to hear where you think things are going within the next three to five years or so. Yes. Well, maybe I will just uh, say, you know, generally how I look at uh, the venture capital or the venture capital cycle in particular, obviously there's periods of, uh, peak and trough and periods of contraction and expansion. Um, it's all the cycle in, in venture capital, I think, you know, is not as pronounced as the public markets. Okay, public markets um, uh, are moving very quickly. Um, and, the, and the cycle in venture capital is mainly driven by 
um, um, the amount of LPs commitments to VCs. <laughs> that's, that's the drive. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, yeah, now we're in a period um, that uh, interest rates are, uh, there's inflation and the, inter- the Fed increased the interest rate and so all the other central bankers in the world. Um, so many of the investors uh, prefer to uh, shy away from VC and invest in asset classes that provide more, you know, less uh, risk, more uh, liquid uh, strategies that can provide 5%. And, you know, there's many of those right, right now. Um, and, you know, wh- when is the things will change? Uh, wh- when will LPs start to invest again in VCs? Um, generally, it-, it will be when VCs are doing well are having a recent good track record. Um, mm-hmm. And that will happen after all the, all the noise will exit the market. So the bad companies will go bankrupt. Um, the, the entrepreneurs will, uh, will build more quality companies. And it will take a few years. And those VCs that invest right now will have a positive track record. And this is where I think um, new LP money will uh, start to invest back in VCs, and and the entire cycle will uh, will uh, come back. Obviously, it's all need to be correlated with the public markets, but I think the public markets will uh, will move first. Okay, the, the market will come back, but still, it will take time for VC to catch up. So yes, I think now there's a, a, it's a, a very healthy calibration. I think there's more time for venture capital to make due diligence. Frankly, there was no time in 2021. Um, mm-hmm. The competition was so fierce, um, and many investors have been com- compromised and, and with uh, making decisions without proper knowledge. Um, so I think it's very healthy now that the investors have more time, um, and also the founders are much more careful. Uh, no, uh, uh, to keep their burn. Um, yeah, that's uh, yeah. the overall. So I'm, I'm optimistic, specifically about uh, Israel. I think there's strong fundamentals. Uh, so I think uh, things will come back. It might take a few years, uh, but uh, we're investing for the long term. Um, right. So uh, so I think uh, overall, the, the state of the will be will be good. Yeah. Well, you guys are early in the life of your fund, uh, and you're talking a lot about what you're, what VCs look for in founders and how there's actually being diligence. Di- diligence is being done now. Speaking of that, what do you look for in founders when you're doing the diligence in those companies? Um, well, first of all, uh, one needs to remember that we invest in uh, early growth and late stage. So... I think as opposed to a seed round, which is, uh, or pre-seed or earlier stage, mm-hmm. uh, there is a, a very big emphasis about the founder um, and the founder's experience um, and his track record and that he's, uh, he's a person that says we as opposed to I. Um, and, so I think this is very important for seed investors because, frankly, there's no other thing. Like even the target market or the product can change very quickly. 
Um, so the, the, the founder's quality, and you can separate it from his experience to his psychological um, um, capabilities, uh, how he, uh, you know, how he handles stress. And so I think references, reference checks are very important in this stage. Mm. In the stage we're in, um, it's easy to vet the company based on fundamental financial uh, results. So we can actually see, you know, how much uh, um, it costs the company to attract a client and how much a client is worth. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so it's very easy to say, okay, this, the engine works. Uh, the client is returning three times the cost. Um, so the company is ready for expansion capital. Um, yeah, so I, I would, uh, you know, what we look for in companies is, first of all, um, um, uh, the unit economics, as I mentioned, to see that the, the engine, uh, the engine is, uh, uh, works well. Uh, we look at the technology um, because in the end of the day, the winners uh, in software and internet, uh, it's a guerrilla game. Okay, you need to be the gorilla. You need to uh, penetrate a market which is not too competitive, or a market you can uh, you can lead potentially lead. Um, so it can't be a, a market which is too big. It's only small for you to lead, but big that you can grow at least twenty times. <laughs> um, so um, um, so I think the competitive uh, landscape is also very, very important in our stage. Um, and, uh, and also the profitability potential. So you can see clearly that, you know, there's, uh, you know, the gross margins um, and their ability to, for the company to, uh, to leverage their assets into uh, profitability. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Definitely some key factors there. Appreciate you sharing. Uh, as we start to transition towards the end of our interview here, we'd love to give the listeners an opportunity to learn a little bit more about you, um, you know, aside, just aside from uh, managing partner at Titan Capital. Uh, so with that said, is there any or what's the best advice that you would like to give to our listeners who may be looking to get into the world of startups, venture capital, entrepreneurship, either as founders or just investors or any way in the space, really? Yes, well, I'll tell you what I found to be um, the the secret sauce. The okay. secret sauce <laughs> is to understand and to have uh, innovative or, um, no, I think innovative insight on the market. This is the whole thing. You need to know something better than the rest of the crowd. Mm -hmm. And how do you get to, once you know something better than the rest, you either start a company or you have a thesis that you can invest in. But in the end of the day is knowing something better. How do you know something better? It's either that you are more cognizant to fundamental shifts that people are overlooking. Um, it's either um, you have an understanding of reality, which is different from what is uh, you know, the the reality is different from what is perceived by the the rest of the market. Um, it could be that you have an insight of about the technology uh, momentum or a trend. Um, you need to f one needs to find 
in uh, in insights uh, and this is how you you know if you you know if you translate to practical steps if you have an insight it will be very easy for you to uh, to convince people in technology that uh, they need to hire you or you uh, you should join the company or should join the fund um, yeah so that's that's my advice to really understand and to find something that the others don't yeah I love that that's that's unique advice and we ask this to most founders and investors and I would say that's that's definitely a great answer. Uh, I wanted to call out something quickly. I loved the way you described earlier uh, the customer acquisition costs and lifetime value as an engine. Uh, I, I thought that was just a great way to think about it as an engine that's ready to rev up. Uh, so I think we'll be using that in the future. Um, we love talking about metrics and we always reference David Sachs from Craft Ventures and, and how his emphasis on the metrics, especially when it comes to uh, SaaS, SaaS companies. So I think that goes hand in hand nicely. He's on a podcast we like. You clearly are a fan of VenturePill. Do you have any other podcasts that you like as a resource for our listeners or any books that you may recommend when it comes to startups? Well, for, I have two maybe recommendations. One is um, there's uh, the Acquired podcast. Uh, I mm -hmm. think it's very resourceful uh, with the um, it goes really in depth into uh, companies, and the episodes are sometimes two or three hours. <laughs> <laughs> but but, uh, but, uh, but I, actually, my uh, first recommendation, and then it's a book which I, I really think is the most advanced book ever written about how technology markets behave. Um, it's a it's a book called The Gorilla Game. It's a book published okay. in 1999 by Jeffrey Moore. Jeffrey Moore is a strategist. He is he, the one who wrote uh, Crossing the Chasm, which became a bestseller. Mm -hmm. um, and I think his book in 1999, because it was just before the crash, was, is a bit overlooked. Uh, but this mm. is the first book that explains how come, you know, there's five competitors in a, in a certain segment and one of the companies is just valued 10 times more than others. Um, how, why markets behave like that? Why mm -hmm. segments are being valued more than other segments? So this is the book that goes in length into explaining the dynamic. Why are company, tech companies are valued by revenue multiples rather than EBITDA? Like, you know, there's there's a reason for that. And, you know, this is one of the books that explains all of those issues. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely to be added to our list. Got to check that out. Yeah, we'll link that in the show notes as well as acquired. That's a great one. So thanks. Great suggestions. Uh, one more question for you before we let you go. We've already highlighted so many Israeli startups, successful ones. Are there any lesser known lower key startups maybe that are a little under the radar uh, that we or our listeners may not know about, but you think that we should? Um, I think uh, one of uh, uh, early stage um, tech startups we were very impressed um, is a company uh, called Statement.io. For example, it's an Israeli company. Um, they are addressing a market opportunity in the finance operations. So one of the biggest challenges 
you know, there's many, you know, fintech, there are so many different elements. One of the elements that are, it's take, you know, even today in the fund, you, you wire money, um, but you don't really know who wired you the money. Like it's not <laughs> as digital as one would expect. Um, and, uh, and there are, uh, you know, you can imagine there are companies that the entire day are doing hundreds and thousands of microtransactions. Right. Um, so, and sometimes those transactions don't work. You wire and it's bouncing. Hmm. What happened? How do you do that? So they are tackling this issue of payments and finance operations, um, which I think is a very smart and a very big, uh, problem set. And I, uh, and, uh, I, I forecast that the company will be very successful. Yeah. I love that. That's, you know, I didn't even think about that, but that's certainly, you know, a little area that could certainly use some more transparency, especially given how frequent wire transfers are conducted. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Well, Ben, uh, we always want to make sure our listeners know how to follow you and get in touch with you. If they have any companies you should check out or they're just looking to connect, what's the best way? Um, so first of all, uh, my email is at, uh, the website of Titan. Everyone can send an email. Um, I have a blog, um, uh, everyone is welcome to, to subscribe uh, in medium. Um, yes, we are very approachable. We are based in Tel Aviv and uh, everyone is welcome to, to step, uh, to come by. Yeah. Next time Brandon and I are in Tel Aviv, we'll, we'll have to come by and, and say hello. So we look forward to that and we'll certainly link uh, Titan's website in our show notes so they can check it out. Sounds okay. good. Great. Yeah. Thank you so much, Ben, for taking the time. It's been an honor. Hopefully we uh, boost our listenership in Israel a little yeah. bit after this episode. Uh, but no, nonetheless, really appreciate you taking the time, talking about what you're working on, telling us a little bit more about yourself and uh, hope you have a great rest of your night. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another dose of startups and venture capital. And as always, we appreciate our pilgrims spreading the word about the show. Share with your friends and help someone else make the pilgrimage. See you next time. She told me that she only bumps my music when she's lonely. Thinks my vibe's a little low-key, okey-dokey, that's alright, but wait, I don't know how to do things different.